0: good morning everyone it's great to finally be at his people Peter Maritzburg amen it's a fantastic joy to be with you this morning I've been in Maritzburg with the Africa Enterprise mission to Maritzburg and it's been amazing to see God faithfully go after people right here in Maritzburg the stories are amazing of people who've been healed delivered set free in one school that one of the teams went into, a school of over 1,500 people, a 1,000 of the kids responded to the gospel. So it's been amazing, amazing. And this has been happening uh, in ones and twos, tens and twenties, praise God for the big ones that come in as well. But all across the city, uh, you are blessed to live in Peter Pietermaritzburg, the city of choice amen amen uh this is my family my wife amy and uh my son john david my daughter leah and uh we've been married now uh for a couple of years and uh (laughs) we've been married for 14 years and it's been an absolute joy and um you know marriage is amazing highly recommended and i just put that out there highly recommended. Uh, my wife and I were friends for 10 years before we got married. So for those of you in the friend zone, there's hope for the friend zone. Amen. There's hope. And, uh, and you know, the thing that makes marriage amazing is not that it's always easy or there are no challenges or problems that you've got to navigate together, but it's because of the commitment that you make to each other. So we made a commitment. There's no escape hatch. There's no back door. There's no exit clause. We are in it till the end. Amen. And uh, once you've made that decision, marriage works. Amen. But if you've always got a question mark in the corner of your mind, oh man, marriage is so difficult. So I want to encourage you. Make commitments before the Lord. And stick to them, Amen. Our son John David uh, is a miracle. Uh, my wife was told when she was 25 years old that if she didn't have kids by the time she was 25, she would not be able to have any kids. We got married when she was 32, and when she was 33, she was expecting God David. So it's a real joy to us. Our boy is creative, out the box, like out the box, <laughs> and, um, and and he challenges and stretches us uh, as all teenagers do. Amen. Uh, Daughter Leah, she is 11 years old and she's a real fiery evangelist, loves leading people to the Lord. Uh, She is diligent, methodical, logical, we sometimes call her the third parent in the family. So (laughs) she likes to bring everyone into order. That's a great joy. Um, Folks, you've been doing a series on the core values of the faith this morning i'd love to talk about the value of evangelism now sometimes we hear that word and i've done surveys in different churches and uh, statistically what we find is that a portion of people in the church when they hear the word evangelism go yes amen yeah. <laughs> i was hearing an amazing story before uh oh i don't want to steal your thunder but there's a great testimony that he needs to share about someone he led to the Lord. Unbelievable. I was like, what? So there's a portion of people in the church that go, yay. Yeah. Then there's a portion of people in the church go like, oh God, out of pure love and sacrifice for you, I will go out to do evangelism. And then there's a portion of the church that is like, hell no, we won't go, amen. And I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but At the heart of it all, I'd love to demythologize evangelism. Amen? Because evangelism is something we really all can do. And it comes down to having a passion for people. So one of my favorite stories of Jesus is found in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, Jesus comes across the scribes and the Pharisees. We're going to read this story because it really is a story where Jesus reveals his heart, his passion for people. Are you there? John chapter eight, and we'll start in verse three. Sure. Okay, I need to to speak louder. I can scream if you like. John chapter 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? this they said testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him but jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear them so when they continued asking him he raised himself up and said to them he who is without sin among you let him cast a stone at her first and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last and Jesus was left alone the woman standing in the midst and Jesus had raised himself up saw no one but the woman he said to her woman where are those accusers of yours has no one condemned you she said no one lord and jesus said to her neither do i condemn you go and sin no more then jesus spoke to them again saying i am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life Father, I pray that as we dive into your word this morning, you'd pour out your spirit of wisdom and revelation. Show us your heart, Lord. Not just will, still that we'll know more, but that we will be transformed to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there's a tug of war that's happening over the life of this woman. And we see two sets of characters. The first is, the scribes and the Pharisees now the scribes and Pharisees are interesting bunch of people because they represent the law they were the teachers of the Old Testament law but the first passion point that we get this morning is actually from the scribes and the Pharisees they actually show us something about evangelism you know what they show us they go to where lost people I mean forget their motives they get 10 out of 10 because they just hang around with sinners they went to where they were often we ask ourselves the question where does passion for souls come from does it come from prayer I don't know how many prayer meetings I was in saying God me a heart for people God give me a love for people when I have a love for people then I will right but often we're putting the cart before the horse because we get passion when we go I remember being at university Rhodes University where's my Rhodes University whoop whoop there we go I remember being at Rhodes University and i recommitted my life to the Lord and Monday night we had soul winning training now soul winning training was like training and how to reach your friends and family for christ and i was like great i want to learn so i got my notebook i took my bible and i sat down on that monday night and i was writing notes oh good point oh good scripture Mm -hmm. yeah makes sense yeah this is very powerful stuff Mm -hmm." i mean like it was good teaching and then after like about 20 minutes the guy who was running it said okay now we're gonna go out and I was like what do you mean go out (laughs) now I just came here for information I just wanted some good revelation that's all I did not commit to going out at all and uh, they put us into groups of two and I was twinned up with a lady called Bronwyn so I'm trying to figure out my exit, right you know you know, like I don't feel led to go out tonight. Have you would, come on? Who's tried that one before? You know, I don't feel led to go out tonight. And so Bronwyn looks at me right in the eyes, and she goes, "Timber, are you ashamed of the gospel?" Now, let me confess something. In my heart, I said yes. <laughs> But out of my mouth came, no. (laughs) So Bromley said, great, let's go. So we went to a race called Corey Matthews. um, And uh, we went, I was begrudgingly walking behind her thinking, oh Lord. Now, what happens if I bump into someone tonight, Monday night, who recognizes me from when I was clubbing on Saturday nights? I know that doesn't happen to any of you guys. So she knocks on the door. This guy opens the door, lets us in. Now, our res rooms were painted white. That was standard. He had painted his res room black. His bedding was black. And he had candles burning in his room. So now we move into this movie theater setting. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, he's open. We share the gospel with him. And he looks at us and he says, I've already chosen who I'm going to serve. I do not want to serve Jesus. And I remember leaving that room shaking and realizing, oh my goodness, people are going This is not not play, play, this is real. And from that night onwards, I realized that God actually wants to use us to intervene in the lives of people. So the next week, I was there at Soul Winning again. And the next week, and the next week, and the next week. Not because I wanted to, not because I had the fuzzies, but because I realized God's heart for people. Where do we get a passion for souls? Get a passion for souls. Nowhere in the Bible are we instructed to pray for passion to go out. Okay, next point. Uh, So the scribes and the Pharisees they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone this woman. That's a very fascinating point that the scribes and the Pharisees are making here. That this woman was actually caught in the very act. You know, we're living in the post-COVID, I hope, era. Amen? We hope we're past all of that. And one of the great realizations is how many people's faith has been shaken to the core during the pandemic. And even people without faith experience the stress and strain of living with the uncertainty of a global pandemic. And during that season, many people looked for something to numb the pain. And the level of of addictions has increased across the board. People are now caught in the vice grip of relationships, of sin, of addictions that they can't get themselves out of. So they come to Jesus and they say, hey, this woman, she's caught. There's no doubt about it. What she's doing is wrong. And in fact, Moses commanded us to stone this woman. And I think this is a great question. Because passion point number two, if you're really going to have a heart for people, you need to own up to your view of people. What do you really think about people who are caught in sin? How do you view them? Do you see yourself as the moral policeman or moral police woman? Amen? When someone swears around you, your job is to take the fly swatter of God's word and chase them, eh? Chase them around. Oh, you swore. Oh, you hurt my Jesus. So these guys they come and they say she was caught in the very act of adultery she was caught in sin often we confuse our mission and our calling and what god has called us to do they're right the lord does say someone caught in adultery the man and the woman should be stoned so they were right i don't know where the man was in this story but they were getting their story around right sort of But we're not called to deal with people according to the law. Paul in the book of Romans points out certain things about the law. That's what he says. He says the law points out our faults. You can read this in Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, going into chapter 8. The law points out our faults. The law says it's good. I would not have known what sin is apart from the law. So the law is good. It tells us what's right and what's wrong. But the law has no solution apart from our own effort. See, wherever there's a law, it requires our own efforts to get out of it. Our problem is that the law, Paul says, stirs up the sin nature. Is there something about law that just makes us wonder like, do not walk on the grass. You're like, every day? <laughs> like all of it? Some of it? How close to the, gla- to the grass can I walk? How? What about another law? 100 kilometers an hour. Right? There's just something inside of us like, about 85? What about... 110. What about 115? What about... Why is there that whenever there's a law, it stirs up something inside of us? Because that is the nature of the law. Paul says it stirs up the sin nature. And Paul says this. But then the problem with the law is that it only leads to more self-effort to try and be right with God. So, let's use drinking for example. And you're drinking, getting drunk. It's a sin to get drunk. So you read in the Bible. Okay, I shouldn't be drinking. You're like, okay, I'm going to try hard to stop. And it seems the harder you're trying, the more you keep drinking. And you keep going back to God and saying, oh God, I messed up. This is bad, this is bad. And then you try harder and harder to fix it. And you figure out you can't fix it in your own effort this is what the law points to that God's standard is perfection God's standard is 100% so the problem now is that just getting drunk once you're now guilty as if you were drunk 100 times and now you look at this and you say I'm a total disaster because I can never live up to God's standard you see how it works because the law's purpose is to point to our total inadequacy. The purpose of the law is to point us to our need for a savior. And these guys didn't get it. They didn't get it. They thought that the law was there to beat up on people and show them how wrong they were and how bad they were. The law was there to point people to the fact that in and of ourselves, we can't be free. We need help. So they wanted to trap Jesus. So they say to Jesus, so Jesus, Moses, the great man of God, said we should stone him. But what do you say? Passion point number three is we need to ask Jesus what does he think about? What does he think about the people in our world? We need to pray and ask God to give us his lens. I remember back in Zim. So now we've been going out, seeing people get saved every week in Grahamstown. It was fantastic. i part of the soul winning team. Monday night. I went back to Zimbabwe on holiday. I decided to train my friends how to reach souls and so we're going out seeing people say It was wonderful. Then we felt we wanted to do more. So we decided to clean up the city. Go to the worst place in the city. We looked at each other and we said, you know the problem people are aware away is the prostitutes. Yeah, it's a prostitute. If we can just get the prostitutes safe, we will be safe. So, piled into my dad's car, drove down to the street where the prostitutes are. Drove past the street, parked the car around the corner because we didn't want the car to be identified. We walked up to these prostitutes. The first prostitute we came across, we introduced ourselves. What's your name? Ready to hit her over the head with the gospel. love, of course. She looked at us and she said, My name is Precious. Wow. That stopped us in our tracks. We didn't see her as Precious, we saw her as a prostitute. How do you think God saw her? God saw her. It's precious. Praise God. She gave her life to the Lord that night. And it was a great time of sharing the gospel. But for the first time, I realized that, hang on. God actually loves these people. God actually values these people. So what does Jesus say? scribes and the Pharisees they represent the law but Jesus the Bible tells us came full of grace and truth so here Jesus sees this woman radically different and in John 3 verse 17 we see the heart of God John 3 verse 16 everyone knows it says what for God so Love the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever you were that A student, right? Sitting at the front knew the answers, you know? Yeah, amen. Don't worry. You can still teach the others, you know, like the struggling. This most famous scripture, John 3 verse 16, the love of God for the world, whoever believes in Him, Will not perish, but have everlasting life. But then verse 17 is even more important. Because verse 17 says, Yay! Amen! Come on! Now, now that's like PhD level. That is like <laughs> PhD level. You're still in school, girl. Say like PhD level Christianity right there. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. For the world through Him may be saved. Our mission as believers is not to go around whacking people on the head, telling them how wrong they are, how bad they are. Our mission is to tell them that they can be saved from their sins through Jesus Christ. We're on a rescue mission. How awesome is that? We get to help people get free Not to condemn them in their prisons. That changes everything. Because it's free people that free people. For this reason was the Son of God sent. To seek and save those who are lost. Let's look at our fourth point this morning. who is innocent of this sin must cast the first stone and they continue to ask him and Jesus bends down and starts writing on the ground you want to know what he wrote on the ground can I tell you I don't know <laughs> but when they heard it They went away one by one beginning with the older ones and jesus was left alone standing there with the woman i don't know what he wrote on the ground but whatever he wrote whatever he said made them realize that everyone needs mercy everyone needs mercy that's our fourth passion point When we realize that everyone needs a break. The word mercy is a powerful word. The word mercy means that the judgment you deserve, you did something wrong. The judgment you deserve, you don't get anymore. That's mercy. Wow! Who needs mercy in their lives? Amen? Amen? And the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment don't get me wrong the Bible says for all have sinned for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all of us we've messed up not one of us is okay but the reality is we need a revelation how God sees us and God doesn't see us as objects of his wrath but recipients of his mercy there's a famous sermon Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And don't get me wrong, God used that powerful sermon. But if the only picture you have of God is that you are a sinner in the hands of an angry God, you would have missed the biblical point. Because the wrath of God is satisfied by what Jesus did on the cross for us. Verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Here we see Jesus proclaiming the gospel. That he, Jesus, sets her free to go and sin no more. Passion point number five is a revelation of the gospel a revelation of the gospel where we tell people that Jesus has paid the price for them. He's been condemned in our place. So let's look at a couple of words here. Let's look at a couple of words. The word condemned is a word that came from trial. It was a, it was a court word that you had Done something wrong, you were brought to trial, you're tried, you're found guilty and condemned. Okay? That was the word. Now there's another word that was used. That if you were in court and you're tried and you're found innocent, you were declared justified. Justify. Just as if you'd never sinned. Justify. And so, this woman had done something wrong. And the Bible tells us that the wrath of God needs to be satisfied. It doesn't go away by itself. Someone needs to take the punishment for our sins. And the Bible says that the punishment of us all was laid on Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53. And the good news is that Jesus comes and takes this woman's place. He takes the punishment in her place and declares to her, you can now go free. You're not condemned. Go and sin no more. That is the power of the gospel. That's the power of what Jesus did. Jesus came to take the place of every sinful person in the world around us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him Jesus who had no sin, To become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The next picture might be too graphic for you, so that's a warning for those of you um, who don't like graphic pictures. But when Jesus was condemned, he really did take our place. He really did. When he hung on the cross, was a great exchange that happened. He took our place so that we could experience everything he had for us. That is the power of the gospel. What I love about this story, have you noticed that in most of Jesus' story there's one character? Zacchaeus. woman at the well here the adulterous woman it's one character it's interesting there's so much of a fuss over one character Jesus brings uh, not Jesus the scribes and Pharisees bring this one woman to Jesus while he's teaching in the middle of a Bible study in the synagogue he could have said I am busy saving the world don't you understand I've got more important things to do than deal with one person. I'm trying to save the whole world. But one person matters to God. One person is important to him, one person. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. More than over 99 righteous people have got no need for repent. One person matters to God. One person is significant. One person matters. Now, let me ask you a question. Which one of you is busier than God? Who's got a more hectic schedule? Anyone here? Now, now if Jesus could stop for one, what's our excuse? What's our excuse? What's our excuse? Father, I pray that you'll help us to have your heart for the individual's the ones and twos in our lives. I want to make this a little bit practical. Can I do that? Now, you have people in your world. And it's time for us to start asking God, God, who in my world do you want me to reach out to? And instead of like getting confused by all the masses of people, let's just say, God, show me one. Can we do that? And you know, the best place to start looking is in this thing. I know you've never heard of it before. It's your cell phone. You've got a contact list. Amen? You can take it out right now. We can bind Facebook and YouTube and all those things. And I want you to go and look and just scroll through your contact list and say, Lord, which one? Which one are you calling me to do? Come on, let's do it now. Jesus stopped for Zacchaeus, the one. While he was hanging on the cross, he was concerned about the thief by his side. He stopped for the one. Who is God calling us to reach our world? Has everybody got one person that you're thinking of? Not seeing hands up, does that mean like, you know, you're resisting the word this morning? I You know? Thank you. Thank you. More hands. And Father God, I pray that you highlight people in our world that you want us to reach. Just one. We ask, Lord, that you highlight just one person that you want us to show your love to. In Jesus' name. Passion point number seven. It's interesting that if jesus didn't respond to this woman at this time she would have been stoned there's a window of opportunity one of the things that gives us a passion for people is when we realize that we can't just keep going infinitely and keep going and ignoring people around us because life is short we don't know how much time they have and we've got to respond to the people in our world and say god what do you want us to do about them? This woman would be stoned. She would have been killed. I remember university, the Lord was nudging me. Timber, there's a guy. It was during orientation week, and uh, the Lord kept nudging me. Timber, there's that guy. Timber, that guy. Timber, that guy. And I was busy reaching others, bringing them to church. It wasn't like slacking. We are busy. And I'll never forget at the end of that orientation week, Hearing the news that one student drowned at the beach. It was that one. It was that one. There's a window of opportunity. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. For He says, in a favorable time I listened to you. And in a day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The day of salvation is now. there's an urgency to the task. There's an urgency, that one person God has laid on your mind, you might think, this is so random. this is so like inconsequential. Could it really be God? You'd be amazed how God loves to meet with people in your world. Oh, well, in Joburg, we recently had the outreach internship, and uh, on the Saturday, we we're training our churches. A 70-year-old man who comes to my congregation was there to be trained in how to go out and share the faith. So after training, we take them out. <laughs> Doing unto others what was done to me. And we take them out. And, and he met, how old is he? He met in a different part of town to where he lives. Randomly, training was over, we went out. He met a guy from grade one. From grade one. From grade I was was, was saying this. How did you even recognize each other? Grade one. Unbelievable. Divine appointments. Window of opportunity. Lord make us faithful. Let me land this plane with one more point. Jesus changes lives. I don't know how He does it, but He does it. Jesus loves to change people's lives. Verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness anymore, but have the light of life. When we bring people to Christ, He really does change their lives. We like to put it this way, following Jesus will change your life. And I think that's a great point to end on this morning. You're here, and you know that you're not following Jesus. You might have tried Christianity, dabbled in religion, but it's never changed you. This thing only works when you're applying. And the first thing you've got to do is receive Jesus into your life. The Bible says in John 1 verse 12, "To all who received Jesus gave the right." children of God. Today is your time, your hour to become a child of God. And if you'd like to have this life-changing encounter of walking with God, it can be yours today. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to like, you know, trick you into something. I'm offering you a relationship with the living God. If if here today and you want that. It would be my privilege to pray with you. Father, you're so good. And I pray that you'd give us a passion for Like you had a passion for me. The root word, the root of the word passion means to be willing to suffer. Because you're so strongly moved by something. And Jesus, you are willing to suffer on the cross because you are so moved, so desirous that we would be saved, that we would be saved. Lord, you're not looking for perfect people. You're looking for willing. This morning we're saying we're willing. We might not have it all together, but we're willing. We're willing to reach out. Love of this